Uh, But we continue our three-part series on the book of Jonah. Uh, Last week, Sean took us through chapters 1 and 2 and this week I conclude uh, the book by looking at chapters 3 and 4. And I wonder whether you have heard the classic good news, bad news joke. A doctor rings his patient and says, I've got some good news and some bad news. And the patient says, well, tell me the good news first. Well, the doctor says, the good news is that you have 24 hours to live. The patient is shocked. Hang on a minute. If if that's the good news, what is the bad news? And the doctor says, well, I should have told you that yesterday. Well, what makes news good and what makes news bad? And as we finish by looking at chapters 3 and 4 here of Jonah, we finish this series, Jonah delivers a message from God and the question is, is this good news or is this bad news? Just to give a little chapter 1 and 2 review, remind ourselves of the things in these chapters. We might remember that God spoke to Jonah in chapter 1, gave him a mission and Jonah runs away from God, tries to run away from God. He boards a ship uh, to this place called Tarshish but God sends a freak storm and Jonah gets thrown overboard, gets swallowed by a big fish, ends up in the belly of that fish for three days and is spat out on the beach uh, after these three days. And in chapter 3 we pick up the story from there. And let me read you, uh, read that for you and you may follow along from Jonah chapter 3 uh, right through to the end of the book. When the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to its, it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king, his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that he will not perish. When God saw that they did, saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Into chapter 4. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? 
Jonah had gone out and sat down at the place east of the city. There he made him a shelter, sat in its shade, and he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this continuing word from Jonah. And Lord, this morning may we be reminded once again of your greatness and your goodness, of your grace and your compassion. But also, Lord, as we look at the response of of Jonah, of the people, the response of God uh, to what is going on in this story, may we ourselves be open to responding to you. Help us to respond to your word in ways uh, that you wish us to. Lord, we pray that we may respond to you in obedience, in godliness, as we seek your will in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's incredible that after Jonah's disobedience to God, that God not only saves him, but calls him again to fulfil his mission. It seems like it would be a lot easier to get someone else, someone more enthusiastic for the task to go and fulfil God, his mission. But no, Jonah is back for a second time, a second attempt. And we read now in chapter 3 of the message that Jonah has to preach. And I don't blame you if you missed it because it is certainly not long. It's only eight words long and in the original Hebrew it's only five. And here it is. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Thank you very much. We are done. That is the message. That is the sermon. That's it. It's home time. Perhaps the question we might ask, well, it's not really. Just keep listening. It's all right. I'll be... I'll be a little longer. Uh, but perhaps the question we might ask ourselves is, is this, is this message, is, this good, is, it, is it good news or is it bad news? And so let's have a look at the response, the response of the people first to see what they thought of the news. And in verse 5 we read that the Ninevites believed God. Not only had they fasted and put on sackcloth, which were, very, which were acts of very serious remorse, and sadness, they not only believed but they also acted. And notice who believed and who acted. All of them, from the greatest to the least. 
Even the king got off his throne, put on sackcloth and sat in the dust. They all did the same thing and the king even takes it further. In verse 8, he tells everyone to call urgently on God to put this sackcloth on and to give up their evil ways, even to not eat or drink for a period of time. And the king says to to everyone to do this and just maybe, just maybe God will have compassion and will relent on bringing judgement and overturning the city, not blowing them away, perhaps he will relent. And so it's somewhat surprising to hear that the whole city turned to God. Somewhat surprising, especially from an eight-word sermon, Uh, but maybe that's the preacher in me uh, being surprised, but especially from a reluctant and disobedient prophet, Jonah. He's been disobedient, he's reluctant to be there, he doesn't really want to give this message to this city, Yet the whole city turns. But it shouldn't be surprising, should it? Chapter 1 has prepared us for this. Chapter 3, in fact, is almost a repeat of chapter 1. In chapter 1, Jonah is on a, on a ship full of idol worshippers facing death. In chapter 3, Jonah is in a city full of idol worshippers facing death. In chapter 1, the captain of the ship calls out to says, call, call out to your God and maybe we will not perish. In chapter 3, the king of the city says, call urgently unto God and so he may, may relent and we may not perish. In chapter 1, the whole ship repents. In chapter 3, the whole city repents. This is how the people in this story of Jonah, responds to a message from God. And what about the response of God? He sees the reaction of the Ninevites, he sees their repentance and responds in grace and compassion. He relents from bringing down the destruction that they deserved. He cancels the air raid. He orders the weapons of mass destruction to to shut down. He calls off the troops. Why? Because they repent. And he is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace and compassion. And this is God's mission. This is God's plan for creation. This is God's desire to see people repent and believe, to see people turn to him, to see people saved. Our God is a compassionate God. Our God is a gracious God, a a compassionate and gracious God who is on a mission to save his creation. Surely then, surely this is good news. But Jonah, Jonah doesn't think so. Jonah doesn't think this is good news. Let's have a look at his response. At Jonah's response, we don't seem to get the impression that he's happy. In fact, he's angry. He is peeved. He is not happy at all of what is going on. And in chapter 4, verse 2, he basically shouts to God, I knew it. I knew it. This is the reason I ran away. I knew you were going to cave in and let them off the hook. I knew you were full of compassion. I knew you were full of grace. 
I knew you were slow to anger and abounding in love. I knew it. I'm not happy. I'm not happy at all, says Jonah. Well, did you know that in Psalm 86, 103 and 145, this phrase, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, he is abounding, uh, he is slow to anger and abounding in love. Well, that, that is a, a, a refrain a, a, that is often repeated throughout the Psalms, particularly those three, but also elsewhere in the, New, in the Old Testament. But in the Psalms, these words, these words are beautiful. They're encouraging and they're said with love. But out of the mouth of Jonah, these words are nothing like that. These words are spiteful and angry and love seems absent from the lips and from the heart of Jonah. So what's up? What's up with Jonah? He's gone through this experience that is really life-changing, you know, getting swallowed by a fish and stuff. But now at the end of the book, he is is a man full of anger. A whole city has turned to God. A whole city has repented and turned and been saved and become part of God's people and Jonah just sits there and cracks the sads. What is up with him? Why is he so angry? Well, for us to understand Jonah's anger, uh, we need to understand who the Ninevites were. We're not just talking about a bunch of foreigners. These guys, these guys were the Nazis or the Al-Qaeda of their time. They were cruel. They were vicious. They were violent. And they destroyed rival nations and they were very, very good at it. These, these guys, these guys were people who other nations despised, hated. And so Jonah is angry because he believes the Ninevites deserve to die. They shouldn't be saved. They should be dead. And the news broke about Osama bin Laden being killed. Americans began to celebrate. Not just Americans, many around the world. Osama had been public enemy number one. Nearly 3,000 Americans were killed on that fateful day on September 11, 2001. And as leader of Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden was held responsible for the torturous death of thousands of innocent people. And so Americans and many others felt that Osama deserved to die. But imagine, imagine instead of sending a top-notch naval SEAL team the American president send a top-notch pastoral team. Just bear with me. Instead of taking out bin Laden, imagine if the goal was to reach out to him. Instead of killing him, the objective was to save him. 
And then imagine the unthinkable, that the goal, the objective was achieved. The pastoral team evangelised to Osama bin Laden. He repents and believes in Jesus. I wonder, I wonder if the Americans and others would come out onto the streets and celebrate. I wonder, I wonder if we would. See, Jonah hated the Ninevites. He wished they were dead and so he goes out to the east of the city and waits there just in case God is going to blow them up, sweep them off the earth. He goes out there and waits. And there we see, as Jonah sits out there, that God reaches out. The God who speaks reaches out and speaks to Jonah one more time. This time to teach Jonah a lesson. In fact, a few lessons. And it's a lesson we can learn from too. And you see, it must have been very hot under the Assyrian sun out there in the middle of Iraq. And God provides this first teaching aid, a vine. A vine that grows up and over Jonah's head and provides him shade and great comfort. And we're told that Jonah is very happy about that. It must have been like, it must have been like being invited into a nice, cool, air-conditioned room and given a large slurpee on a 40-degree summer's day. You know, just, just lovely. Think about that. That's a great comfort. You can choose whatever flavour slurpee you like. And then the next day, well, well, God sends his second teaching aid and this is a worm, a worm that then eats the vine and exposes Jonah to the hot sun. And then he sends his third teaching aid, a searing hot wind. And so one minute, One minute Jonah is sitting there in what seems to be like an air-conditioned room with a slurpee and he's somewhat comfortable but suddenly the air-conditioner is is broken, the slurpee is tipped onto the floor and then you are kicked out into a car that has been sitting there in the sun for hours. That's what it would have been like. And it makes Jonah feel faint and he gets angry again. It is better for me to die. It is better for me to die than to live, he cries out to God. I am angry enough to die. And then God speaks to him again. You're angry about this vine? You're angry about this? You didn't plant it? You didn't water it? You didn't make it grow? It's just a plant. There in Nineveh is more than 120,000 people. They do not know right from wrong. And you are getting angry about this, this vine? Shouldn't I care? Shouldn't I care for these 120,000 people? Shouldn't I care for them, Jonah? I care deeply for them. And they have repented and I have relented.
Well, that was thousands of years ago and that was God speaking to Jonah. But now it's 2022. And what does God say to us? Well, just north of the equator, uh, between the 10 degree mark and the 40 degree mark, is what is known as the 1040 window. And in that window, there are four to five, maybe even six billion people probably about five, five billion people who are not followers of Jesus. Many haven't even heard the name Jesus. They've never heard of him before. And 85% of people in in that part of the world are some of the poorest in the world. And these are places like Afghanistan, and Iran, and Iraq, and Pakistan. And they're not really, they're not, they're not top holiday destinations for us in the West to go on a getaway. And they're not exactly the most liked people in the world, particularly by those in the West. But here is the thing. God cares deeply for them. God's great desire is to see them repent and believe God is on a mission to save them. Do you know that here in Australia there are approximately 38% of us Aussies are not Christian or are no religion? That equates to about 9.5 million Australians. Most of them are not religious at all, obviously. Uh, that, that comes out of, with the census every few years and has increased over time. And those who are religious of that group are mainly Muslims or Buddhists. But here's the thing. God cares deeply for them. God's great desire is to see them repent and believe. God is on a mission to save them. And what, what about Roeville? What about Roeville? I'm not sure how many non-Christians there are. Maybe we can just go with the stats. But, uh, I've just given 38% perhaps. I don't know. But here's the thing. God cares deeply for them. God's great desire is to see them repent and believe. God's mission is to save them. God cared for the Ninevites, so much so that he sent Jonah, a petulant, reluctant prophet. And God cares for all people. God cares for all unbelievers, whether and whether they may, they may know of him or not and wherever they might be, Roeville, Australia, the rest of the world. And he loves them so much that he sent his son Jesus for them. That reminds me of a verse, John 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. See, God cares for all unbelievers, for all non-Christians, whether we like them or not. He loves them. He cares deeply for them and he is on a mission to save them. He loves them so much that he sent Jesus to give his own life for them. And isn't it ironic? Jonah is so angry at God for forgiving the Ninevites that he is wanting to die. He's so angry that God has relented on the Ninevites that he wants to die. And Jonah is so angry about the vine that he is wanting to die. But Jesus loves us so much that he went to the cross and did die, died for us. He loves us, he loves all so much that he was willing to die out of love for us. And so God cares deeply for the unrepentant. God cares deeply for the unreached. God cares deeply for unbelievers. I wonder what do you care for? Who do you care for? Our God is a gracious and a compassionate God. A compassionate God who is on a mission to save his creation. This is This is only good news though for people who hear it and it's only good news for for people who, who choose to tell it. Let me get that right. This is only good news if people get to hear it. This is only good news if people choose to tell it. This is only good news if we deeply care for the unreached but those who do not yet know God. And so the question is, are you going to tell them the good news before God gives them the bad news on Judgment Day? Is this going to be good news or is this going to be bad news? Let's pray this may be good news and that we may be part of God's mission in sharing that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we may be part of the mission of God. Lord, we thank you that you are a gracious and compassionate God, that you relent on those who turn to you. On those who repent, you relent. And Lord, may we know that truth for ourselves. But not only may we know that for ourselves, may we also share that with others. May we be provided with opportunity to be part of your mission in the world and in sharing that through our lives, through our actions, but also through our words and our beliefs, Lord, may we we share to different parts of the world, to different parts of our city, to different parts of our suburb, the good news that is found in your son Jesus. 
Lord, thank you for the reminder of that today. Thank you for the reminder of that through the book of Jonah. In Jesus' name, amen.